HE News, episode number 22. Welcome back to another episode of Health Empowerment News with Kraft Woodruff. This week, we uh, get back into the swing of things with an attack on Andrew Wakefield. And we're back once again with another episode of Health Empowerment News with Kraft Woodruff. Well, good morning, Andrew. And Happy New Year. Yes, it's been a while since we've put out an episode. We originally were going to take the summer off. We ended up by taking the fall and most of the winter off. <laughs> but uh, we pod faded, I guess, as, as yeah. it's called in the uh, podcasting industry. But we're back and we've got some pretty cool stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, uh, the first one is, did you hear the news about Taco Bell? I hadn't heard that, no. Well, they, uh, a private individual actually had the, uh, the meat, their beef, from their beef tacos tested, and it turns out they've only got 35% beef in their beef product, and the other 65% is just other stuff. Yeah, it could be soy protein and uh, various other things uh, to give it some body. Yeah, and uh, so now what they're doing is that they're not they're not asking for any money. Mm-hmm. They're just asking the court order them to stop advertising that they're selling beef. It kind of reminds me of the old comic strip uh, Little Abner by Al Cap and uh, the um, the uh, dog patch boys who put together Kickapoo Kickapoo Joy Juice they called it, and I guess you could call it their version of home brew. But they throw in a dead donkey to give the brew body. And I guess you could say that's about the equivalent of what we're seeing here with, um, you know, 35% beef and the rest is uh, unknown (laughs) unknown, uh, constituents. Yeah. And kind of makes you feel like, uh, you know, there should be more testing for these kind of things, for food products and things like that. It only shows you just how corrupt the bureaucracies are in our governments, whether it's in the United States or in Canada, and I'm sure other countries besides. You can imagine what it might be like in, uh, you know, some third world country when it comes to food inspection and safety. Uh, I think those people got to be pretty tough to go through that. But this is another reason why we have so uh, certain health problems that they have no answer for. Mm-hmm. The uh, food industry has become uh, commercialized and industrialized with uh, industrial uh, plants mm-hmm. as uh, manufacturing food in 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 a way just like uh, producing another you know uh, industrial product. And that's not to say they can't put out a product of maximum nutritional quality and purity and 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 of the right components of you know compared to what we're looking here is something that's only thirty five percent of what they uh, would uh, impugn it to have. But in fact, uh, uh, well, when I go to get a hamburger or a steak at a restaurant and it's supposed to be beef, I kind of expect that that's what I'm going to be putting in my mouth is beef. So uh, that's a big problem. And, uh, you know, everyone's saying that the especially when we're talking a lot about what we talk about is natural health product regulations. And Bill C-36, which is in the amendment to the Consumer Health Act, uh, actually passed uh, a couple months ago while we were, uh, you know, on our In our hands, yeah. And uh, so that actually increases the government control over uh, the consumer products uh, uh, sector. That would be great if we could be sure that the bureaucrats responsible will do a proper job. But unfortunately, we've seen these things, you know, just get out of hand in the past. And that's why we see something like this Taco Bell incident, where people don't realize that uh, 35% of what they think is a a beef product uh, is something else. So it just goes to show that, yeah, 
that we do need regulation, but we want the right kinds of regulations. So we, back in the day, uh, Health Canada had a, a place to test natural health products to see if they contained what they're supposed to contain. And uh, they closed it down. And instead of actually randomly testing the products for safety and, and uh, for, uh, you know, to prevent fraud and all these other kinds of activities, mm-hmm. they brought out these draconian uh, hoops that people have to jump through in order to get a product or to keep a product on the market. And what's happening is people are withdrawing their products voluntarily because of the cost. Uh, if you have a, a company that has 40 or 50 SKUs on, mm-hmm. on, the, on, the, on the health food store shelves, and now they have to go through this huge regulatory mm-hmm. burden for each one while well, they're just they're just only applying for a small percentage mm-hmm. of their products and therefore you know they're voluntarily taking them off the market because yeah, they, can't they can't afford, afford it and, and this is a this this of course is, a, is bad for the consumer because products that they've relied on to help maintain their health uh, are lost to them and the whole problem is of course you see we're supposed to be we live in a free enterprise society and when you have uh, political parties that claim to be for free enterprise, well, their idea of free enterprise is the freedom to enter the consumer's pocketbook and extract the prize uh, without uh, your say-so, really. And uh, this business of privatizing, uh, uh, for instance, uh, food testing, uh, is, uh, I would say, a, a total betrayal on the part of this government in Ottawa. But... I can't say that the, uh, the the political party that would take their place in a federal election is going to do any better because they you have these people say, oh, uh, let the private sector do it, you know, the taxpayer shouldn't be doing this. Well, the bottom line is, is that uh, taxpayer-funded uh, uh, government testing served us very well for as long as I can remember. And I've been on this planet for 76 blasted years. And uh, now we've got it so that they're, they're, they're farming this stuff out to private companies who are in the business of making a profit. And anybody who's been in business knows that you're going to be cutting corners and run as cheaply as possible so you can maximize your profit. And that means that the end product may not be up to the standard that you expect it to be. And when it's got, you know, government inspected on the label. Yep. And that's always the risk when, when that happens. Some, some companies, though, do, you know, kind of differentiate themselves by being the higher quality uh, manufacturer or the higher quality participant in the, in the economy. And, uh, one, and they, of course, charge a higher price, a premium price for that, uh, that recognition. But. Well, because for one thing, it costs man, it costs money to maintain high standards uh, from, you know, from the raw source of raw material right to the finished product, and, uh, and that is understandable. And the fact that companies can do that, in spite of the government, uh, you know, guidelines and that, I think uh, kudos to them. But this government has made it worse because by farming out the testing to private companies who are in the business of trying to make a profit, and you can't blame them for that, but it leaves it wide open for corruption, mm-hmm. cutting corners and you know missing this test or that test. And of course, what about the hygienic standards of the private tester? Who's inspecting them? But even let's take that a step further and look at government uh, bureaucracies and their corruption because health Canada is not a private company. And, and, uh, as Shiv Chopra would say, they're corrupt to the core. Yeah. What was the uh, title of his book? Uh, I believe it was corrupt to the core. Yeah. Yeah. And an expose on, on health Canada, the health Canada whistleblower. And uh, it would be fine if this government had actually, uh, did something to clean up health Canada to make sure that it was totally independent from, the uh, manufacturers whose products Health Canada is testing, whether it's uh, Merck, whether it's IG Farben, whether it is uh, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, if I got that right, GSK. Uh, and But the trouble is we find out that uh, some of these uh, people in there are on the take. They're doing 
private contract work for some of these companies while working for the government. That should be a no-no. The government should be prepared to pay these bureaucrats or these scientists enough so that they don't have to depend on going to uh, somebody like uh, these uh, pharmaceutical companies to make extra money. Mm-hmm. We want them absolutely independent instead of the way it is now. And we find out, well, shall we segue into, this is as well, far as I'm concerned. We, uh, before we move into that, uh, let's just, because uh, uh, it's been a while since we came out with the show, let's just uh, talk about what we've been doing since then. What, what have you been up to since, uh, since the summer, Croft? Well, uh, of course, um, last August, my uh, mother's oldest brother, her, her surviving sibling, uh, actually, the first, second, <laughs> she's got two surviving siblings. I have an aunt that is uh, three, year, three, year, three years older than I am, at 70, I'm 76, and my uncle celebrated his 90th birthday when I celebrated my 76th. Wow, and my brother celebrated his sixty uh, sixth, and uh, my grand nephew cel- celebrated his twenty uh, third or twenty fourth. So you know we've got uh, quite a family going here. You know, gosh, it's about four generations going here, and uh, that's the way it is. Wow! So you've been taking it easy. And, well, uh... yeah, somewhat. Uh, I don't I think I'm going to say too much about uh, my recent episodes, but. Uh, might get into that later as I think about it. But uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, you've got to take good care of yourself, folks, and uh, be aware of things. And don't ignore the signs of, uh, of illness or impending illness, because uh, you may end up by paying a big price for it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but this is what this program is all about, is, uh, is health and uh, sickness and solutions. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so... I've been uh, pretty busy myself with work and uh, still working with uh, tech mobility, mm-hmm. telecom industry, and uh, doing some social media stuff as well. And uh, I guess the big news with me is I've got a baby coming. Actually, not me, but Valerie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're responsible. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. Okay, well, um, let's move on to the main topic. But before actually we do, uh, Marketplace on CBC talked about the uh, homeopathy field. And is it a cure or a scam? And they also attacked uh, or carried the attack of the British Medical Journal against Dr. Andrew Wakefield, who has uh, shown a, a conclusive connection between uh, mercury and vaccines and uh, and autism in, in, in children. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a libelous attack. We, we've got good uh, news on that. It's right up to date. Uh, as far as the attack on homeopathy, well, homeopathy's been around a long time. And I just say this, if it works, why knock it? If mm-hmm. people are happy with it, what business is it of CBC or anybody else to shoot their face off about something fundamentally they know nothing about. And they always choose people who have degrees in uh, uh, biochemistry and, or a medical doctor who know absolutely nothing about the subject. They've never studied it. They've never talked to homeopathic physicians and practitioners. They've never really talked to people who uh, follow it very closely because a person who follows homeopathy very closely wouldn't go near a medical doctor. Not with uh, the type of medicine that is practiced today. Okay, so uh, my question is then: Is um, you advocate for uh, at least on you know vitamins and nutrition? You ad- advocate like super nutrition, like uh, like high doses of of vitamins and minerals. And yeah, and the acids. right to type of fatty acids, uh, the sterols that are also uh, uh, fatty acids. I think I've got that right. I'm not uh, I'm not a biochemist, and I don't claim to be. Uh, I look at things like uh, balanced uh, nutrition in terms of uh, the the right protein in the right place sort of thing. Uh, minerals are very, very important. I recently actually did, uh, by invitation, uh, a presentation on uh, Down syndrome and the fact that Down syndrome can be corrected to a very great degree through the proper use of vitamins and minerals 
uh, amino acids, essential fatty acids, uh, the mineral iodine, as well as thyroid hormone. And this is one, unfortunately, one of the best kept secrets in the medical profession. And when that's been drawn to their attention, well, it doesn't work. Well, have you tried it? Well, no, then how do you know it doesn't work? Oh, they did studies and they couldn't get the same results. Did you look at the studies uh, uh, that were done uh, and uh, compare them to the original studies? If you did, you would find that they left out the thyroid hormone and they left out the iodine and they left out the vitamins because they ignored the very high doses of vitamins and certain other factors. You can't say that they duplicated the studies. They did everything they could to discredit the studies and simply just by not doing them properly. So, I mean, if you're going to duplicate a study, you do exactly uh, the study that you're trying to disprove. And nothing else will do. Whether you do it double blind or not uh, is uh, another issue. But you can duplicate a study, blinded or double blind, to prove whether or not somebody is on the right track with a certain study. Hmm. That sounds like it would be a good topic for an entire episode. Absolutely. We will do that. But um, homeopathy um, is actually the opposite of what uh, we're talking about here with the megadoses of vitamins. That is correct. It's actually diluting the, the, um, the, you know, the active ingredient down over and over and over again multiple times until there's virtually nothing in there. It's, um, I guess the theory is it's the electrical energy or the memory of the, of the uh, active product. Yeah. And, um, so and of I guess, course it tells us plenty about our, the body and the cells in the body and how sensitive, sensitive, sensitive they are. Yeah. So the, the, um, marketplace show was taking issue with the fact that it's diluted down to such a level that it's, uh, that it's virtually not there and you know, okay, that makes sense, I suppose. But it was the tone of the show, the tone of the program. Uh, it, was a, it was a complete attack on homeopathy. Like their mind was already made up. They were poisoned against it, and that was the long and the short of it. But when you consider that a highly diluted uh, element or uh, component of, a, of uh, whatever uh, can have such a profound effect on, on an individual, can you imagine the damage that uh, some of these uh, toxic chemicals and heavy metals can have on us at, uh, you know, what we consider to be normal exposure. Mm-hmm. And the one thing they did say uh, that was positive is that the, the fact that the homeopath spends a lot of time in getting to know the patient and doing a, a very extensive uh, questionnaire and uh, they said that that would be a benefit all, all by itself. Uh, but uh, there, there comes down to this, uh, to this, you know, science-based medicine, placebo-controlled studies, and that is it just a placebo? And there was a doctor that did, I can't remember his name, in, in the 70s, he did a experiment on his own with his own patients, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, totally illegal now. He was a medical doctor? A medical doctor that subscri- that prescribed uh, half of his patients the actual drug that they were supposed to be getting. Mm-hmm. And the other one was a placebo, just a sugar pill. Mm-hmm. And he tracked their results. And the people who had the sugar pill fared much better than the people who had the drugs. And so the placebo effect is a huge, huge factor. And a lot of people say, especially like naturopaths and, and, and other alternative healthcare practitioners, they say that a big portion of the healing process is the fact that the patient is willing to receive the healing. And not only that, the practitioner is providing the healing. So it's like, a, you know, giving and receiving. It's empathy and sympathy and, and you know, concern that that patient is going to feel, and all of those things are healing in themselves, as far as I'm concerned. We really don't understand the power of the human mind and the power of the human spirit. You know, it's just amazing uh, what this human body can do. Uh, I don't want to segue into something else, but uh, um, some friends of mine, the man had a massive uh, heart attack, and uh, it went into his brain, and he ended up uh, in a coma. And the uh, this, the neurosurgeons uh, at St. Paul's t- told the wife 
Uh, if he comes out of this, he'll probably be deaf, dumb, and blind, and paralyzed. He was neither when he woke up. But you know, his wife was with him every day for, uh, from the time that she was allowed to see him to the time that she had to go. And uh, I hate to tell you what, uh, I, well, I'd love to tell you in total what she was doing, but she was actually slipping him a solution uh, of emulsified nutrient factors, including high amounts of antioxidants like vitamin E and C, uh, f f neurological factors that are needed like calcium and magnesium and uh, other essential nutrients, uh, and slipping into his mouth by a syringe, just letting it trickle in so that, believe it or not, he was swallowing involuntarily, even though he was in a coma. And the next thing she knows, he wakes up, he's mobile, his brain is functioning, but he's, one thing, he's had a personality change. And that's as far as I'm going to say, but uh, after all of that, a massive heart attack and a brain hemorrhage that knocks him out and he's paralyzed, and the physicians have essentially written him off, well, who can say? Hmm. Very interesting. And um, actually, we do have a couple of people who had a question um, for, uh, for you, Croft. Hang on one sec. Uh, the email was from a, a young lady in her 30s uh, who has, um, she's been suffering from hives. And uh, I guess it's urticaria, is that right? Yeah. And angioedema, swelling. Edema. Edema. Angioedema. Uh, and she had a bad reaction to uh, the pharmaceutical agent she was prescribed. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said she'll never, I think it was steroids she was given. Mm -hmm. and, well, that's um, usually what they give for these sort of things. And uh, she said she'll never do that again. Mm -hmm. So she's wondering if there's any kind of a natural remedy that she can take to uh, help. And remember uh, that when we're talking about this kind of stuff, uh, this show is for informational purposes only and never... Uh, take any kind of health action without consulting a qualified health practitioner. In this case, it better be a uh, medical doctor, uh, particularly in the case of this questioner, uh, who is uh, practicing uh, holistic medicine or natural medicine or is inclined to do so and would have no objection to working with the individual. You may find that you'll have to change physicians. Uh, I don't know where this person lives, uh, but uh, there are doctors, you just have to ask, you know, if you know somebody who is into natural medicine, ask them a question where they can find uh, a, a physician that would be helpful in that regard. Uh, these things, uh, the hives can be triggered by an allergy to some food, uh, and so uh, you might want to find some physician that knows something about allergy, but the trouble is the one you did see gave you something that gave you an adverse reaction. And uh, that's the last thing you need uh, uh, in, in this regard. Angioedema has to do with, as, uh, my understanding, swelling of the heart. Because you know what an angiogram is, and they're checking your heart. So edema means swelling. Uh, that's a very serious matter. And uh, But you can find, if you look, if you search, a physician who would be able to deal with that naturally and not have to rely on uh, on medicines that have toxic problems and side effects. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But in any case, uh, they could also check with a uh, uh, pardon me, a, a consumer group, Health Action Network. Ah, good idea. And uh, they're in Burnaby, and, and they've got a uh, you know they've got a roster of, of uh, physicians who uh, are into natural healing. And that's hands.org, www.hands.org, H-A-N-S. And uh, we got one more question, and this was called in through the voicemail feedback line. Someone uh, someone I know pretty well. Hang on a sec. I'll play the play the voicemail now. Hi, Cost. Uh, um, I'm Valerie, and I'm pregnant uh, about five months and a half now. And I was wondering why when we take a supplement of iron, we get constipated. Mm. So thank you for answering for the unit show. Bye-bye. Congratulations and um, compliments, Saint-Neuve. I think that's Happy New Year in French. 
<laughs> remember a little bit anyways, Valerie. Uh, bonjour. Uh, Valerie, uh, of course, iodine, not iodine, we're talking iron here, is constipating. Uh, what you need to do uh, is uh, perhaps uh, if, you are, if you're not a vegetarian, uh, then uh, uh, animal protein of high quality can be a source of iron. And you uh, better make sure that you are digesting properly because uh, this is what happens. Um, there are iron supplements uh, from reputable companies out there that uh, are less likely to be uh, constipating. And uh, while you're at it, you might talk to uh, your pediatrician uh, about um, folic acid and vitamin B12. This is very important for, for the development of the fetus. Um, and of course, along with the iron and the rest of the B vitamin family. So those are the things that I would definitely be looking at. Uh, and one of the things to do to ensure iron absorption, if you're taking a supplement, is to take extra vitamin C along with it uh, to whatever you feel you can handle. Uh, and I would suggest that at least 500 milligrams two or three times a day would be a good idea. Uh, at the very least, uh, I'm a great believer in, in lots of vitamin C in any event. And uh, is, there are uh, other factors, but uh, we is, can email you about that. Is there any issues with taking a large quantity of vitamin C during uh, pregnancy? Or? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, it certainly, I think, has a uh, protective effect for the, for the infant. In any case, you know, the mother is feeding the infant. Mm -hmm. And uh, the whole system is designed to try and protect the infant as best as possible. Mm -hmm. But uh, it does rest on the mother's shoulders, of course. So, uh, and there's so many things that we're exposed to that we don't know that can cause problems. But I do know this, that uh, problems with handic handicaps uh, in infants and that need not happen if uh, things are done right from conception onward. The mother and the father should be healthy to begin with. You know, that old saying in the Bible, a good tree cannot bear forth bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear forth good fruit. So if, they, if the parents are healthy before conception, then, and they maintain a healthy lifestyle through conception and term, to term, uh, and then beyond, the infant is going to have a good chance of, uh, of having a, you know, a great outcome. Mm -hmm. And what what is it in in iron, or do you know what causes the constipation, uh, or is it? Um... It's just the nature of the beast, and the, probably it's uh, it's probably a synthetic iron compound, like iron sulfate or something like that. That's uh, uh, that is it. And uh, look look for a natural iron compound. You'll have to ask at the health food store. Uh, and uh, I suppose the vitamin C, because it has a laxative effect in yes, large quantities. That's why I would recommend it, but it also enhances the iron absorption as well. Hmm. Excellent. Okay, so uh, let's move on to the um, feature topic that you wanted to speak about today. Well, this is hot and, off the uh, press, okay? That's the attack on Andrew Wakefield. Uh, the attack on Andrew Wakefield, of course, has to do with the work he's been doing uh, showing there is a connection. Uh, between uh, the mercury in infant vaccines and uh, child autism. And uh, the evidence is quite devastating. It is absolutely frightening to the pharmaceutical industry who make the vaccines and the fact that mercury is in many of these infant uh, vaccines. And I've been following this very carefully. And the fact is, is that uh, many infants are getting far more mercury uh, or in excess, far in excess of, of uh, uh, they shouldn't be exposed to at all. I'll put it that way. Yeah, in the United yeah. States, they still have mercury in the in the infant vaccine. That's right. the the uh, the measles uh, vaccine. They have these trivalent vaccines like measles, mumps, rubella. But what you have to do, if you're into vaccines, that's your business. But you better know what you're getting into in this type of business, and you better know what are the components. Frankly. I would not be interested in having anybody inject to my body uh, uh, components from diseased tissues of other animals and uh, a certain filth, which is what is being done with some of these vaccines. 
And of course, you have a powerful neurological poison like mercury. Uh, they did take the aluminum out that they had in these vaccines. It too is a neurological poison. And uh, it has no business being in the human body. Uh, so uh, as far as I'm concerned, the, the, a lot rests on the shoulders of the pharmaceutical industry. And they're fighting tooth and nail to protect their interests. The bottom line is, you can't. In uh, some countries, it's illegal. Like in the United States, it's illegal to sue a, 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 a pharmaceutical company. The United States has taken on uh, a national vaccine injury compensation program as of 1988, uh, and uh, the government takes on the liability if uh, if the recipient of a vaccine is uh, either injured or dies as a consequence of the vaccine. Now, isn't that nice? Instead of the vaccine maker taking responsibility and paying out, it's the American taxpayer. And there's a statute of limitations involved as well. I believe it's three years. So the vaccine industry, the pharmaceutical industry is well protected on this issue. And, and of course, uh, if the vaccines are so safe, never mind the issue of effectiveness, whether or not they work. The issue of safety should be paramount. And if they are so safe, why do the vaccine manufacturers need protection from legal action? And why does the government have to take responsibility for any death or injury caused by a vaccine? And uh, why is it when you go to for the shot, they're not very open about what's in the vaccine? I'd like to know what they're putting into my body. You know, I'll tell you, of somebody that I know who had a recent episode and they were in the hospital. And uh, this is at night at bedtime. An orderly comes in with a small IV bag and uh, the patient asks, uh, what's in that? Oh, it's antibiotic. What for? The patient said, I've got no urinary tract infection. I've got no infections, period. So what is that for? And uh, he says, well, the doctor says that you have an, uh, a urinary tract infection. And I said, well, you better go back and tell him that uh, I'm refusing to take it anyways. Well, uh, the so happened that my friend overheard uh, the orderly talking to, I think maybe it was a male nurse, but he was talking to the doctor. And the doctor says, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's that other, it's the other patient, you know. You know, so there you are. If you don't ask questions you might find yourself in deep uh, trouble. And some of these antibiotics are very powerful metabolic poisons. Do you know what a metabolic poison is? That's exactly what it does. It poisons your metabolism. It poisons any living organism, because all living organisms have a metabolism. And people don't know that. I don't think doctors know that, because they haven't studied it enough. But that's what they're giving out with these antibiotics. And, uh, and I can tell you this, as far as I'm concerned, there's a lot of people out there that are dying of certain diseases that uh, they really don't have, but because of false positives in the testing, they think they have, and they're cajoled into taking these deadly toxins called antibiotics or anti-metabolites, to be more precise. Hmm, very interesting. So this... Uh and doc, was it, is he a doctor, Dr. Andrew Wakefield? Yes. Now, he's yeah. under attack because of the work he found. And by the way, it was duplicated. This has just come out. He is demanding a retraction from the British Medical Journal or there will be consequences. He's got them dead to rights because they have okay. another study that was done before Dr. Wakefield's study uh, by reputable uh, medical doctors and scientists that confirms... Uh, that, well, and you could put it this way, that Dr. Wakefield's work actually confirmed. And Dr. Wakefield's work has not been disproven. The studies have been flawed deliberately. They've been deliberately started. When, well, you, when you make vaccines mandatory, by the way, that is a license to print money because that means they're corralling everybody. And, of course, it's well, the children yeah. that they're targeting to have these shots. If you can get your product uh, mandatory that everybody has to take it, that's a gold mine. That's but right. And won't is, you fight to the death to protect that gold mine and keep control of it? Let's step back a second. So, Won't so you lie and cheat <laughs> and libel and slander to protect that gold mine? Think about it. And the trouble is that the folks at CBC and CTV and these other so-called uh, 
news hounds haven't got the brains they were born with to ask the right kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Let's step back a second and uh, and actually go over what actually happened here. So we've got Dr. Wakefield. He's done a lot of work showing that there is a connection between mercury in vaccines and autism. Infant autism, yeah. And now what, what, what did the uh, British Medical Journal do? What did they say? Oh, they said he was a fraud. He, he was fraud, and and uh, they, and they published and, and, uh, an article. That's right. They published by not by a science journalist, by the way, but but really a, a reporter hack, because that's about what he is, and who happens to be an employee of uh, the Murdoch people. That's Fox News in the states, and that's major uh, newspapers in uh, the Great Britain, the United States, and I think there's some in Canada that he. Control. I'm not sure. It might be the Montreal Gazette, but I'm not sure about that. You can't quote me on that. But the bottom line is, is that newspapers depend heavily on pharmaceutical advertising. So there's a gold mine right there that has to be protected. And so what better way to do it than to, uh, you know, kill the messenger rather than heed the message. Okay, so he's um, trying to vindicate his reputation. Uh... He has vindicated his reputation. There's no question about that. And uh, there will be legal consequences for the British Medical Journal and others, which I assume is going to be the Murdoch people as well. Uh, in any case, uh, I have absolutely no use for Rupert Murdoch. Uh, this man is a warmonger. And you know what more warmongers are. They're responsible for the death of millions of innocent people. And what, so what exactly is the, uh, the... You were showing me a study about how uh, that predated. That's right. This goes back um, uh, November 13th, 2009. This is, uh, if you go to Global Research, you can get the original article, Global Research, on the, on the internet. That's all you need to punch in is Global Research, and your search engine will come up with it. And you look for, uh, for uh, this article by Richard Gale and Dr. Gary Null, who is well known for his research into natural health and natural healing. Uh, and the title is Vaccination. Federal health agencies continue to deceive Americans. Congressional report on a vaccine mercury autism link has been ignored for six years. Now, that was November 13th, 2009. That, that was published in Global Research on the Internet. Uh, those doctors, they knew then. And uh, six, well, seven years ago now, they knew that there was a mercury autism link, and they chose to ignore it. Those people, these are senior physicians and scientists in the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the U.S. Public Health Service, and uh, uh, the um, uh, Centers for Disease Control. Now, if that's the kind of scientists that you have in terms of public health, we are in deep trouble indeed. Okay, so what about in, in Canada? In Canada, they've eliminated mercury from the uh, infant vaccines, I believe, 100%. Uh, but I you think can't quote got, me on that. Uh, I don't know. I think they've got aluminum in there instead. They have aluminum taken out dioxide. the aluminum? Yeah. Well, it shouldn't be there. And if, you, if there's aluminum in the vaccine, you're asking for trouble as far as your infant is concerned. Or yourself as an adult... Uh, uh, it seems to me that uh, the mercury is still in the uh, the H one N one vaccine. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what I was told recently. Yeah. That it's that the only vaccine that has it is the is the flu shot uh, these days and in Canada. So well, let me give you this now. We have this. Uh, it's hot off the press about uh, Doctor Andrew Wakefield has been totally vindicated. There's no question about it. No if ands or bets. But, Butts. And we, we've got problems not only with, uh, with uh, the British Medical Journal, but also uh, an official uh, with uh, the medical journal, The Lancet, who uh, failed to disclose his connections with uh, a major pharmaceutical company. And that's the trouble. Some of these people that are in these publications, like uh, uh, the British Medical Journal, The Lancet, the American Medical Journal, or the Journal of the American Medical Association, or the Canadian Medical Association, uh, their failure to divulge their conflicts of interest with pharmaceutical companies. They're on the boards of advice, you know. They're in positions where they have yay or nay 
saying over whether or not a vaccine is going to go on the market or any other pharmaceutical for that matter. So I want to read you this. Uh, this, uh, this is hot off the press. This came out on January the 24th. Uh, of this year, 2011. Now, according to a National Vaccine Information Center, by the way, these are the people uh, who are on the uh, alert as to what's what with vaccines, and you should look them up. It's NVIC, and uh, it's um, uh, the, the code is uh, the, the HTTP colon slash slash NVIC.org if you want to look it up. Now, according to the National Vaccine Information Center, the inserts, or rather, I'm sorry, the incidence of abortion and stillbirth events from the HPV4 vaccine, Gardasil, supersedes the same event from all other vaccinations. The research and the post was written by Stephen M. Rubin, a PhD, a computer scientist who maintains the online searchable vaccine adverse events reporting system database at MedAlerts. He has managed this database voluntarily and independent of his official work since 2003, and he's worked with the National Vaccine Information Center since 2005. In his blog entry on MedAlerts, Dr. Rubin states that it has been suggested that the H1N1 flu vaccine causes miscarriage. This month, I went to see if the claim is supported by the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System data. He explains how it is determined whether uh, this, they call it a VAERS event, that's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, resulted in a miscarriage. The VARES uses the MedDRA symptom classification, which organizes all known symptoms at five levels of detail. At the second level of detail is an entry, abortions and stillbirth, which has under it, quote, abortion-related conditions and complications, and abortions spontaneous, and stillbirth and fetal death, and abortions not specified as induced or spontaneous. Each of these is further refined into specific symptoms, so it seems that this second level term, or as it is known in the MED, that is the MED-DRA, the high level group term, or HGLGT, is a valid way to, to identify miscarriages. He surmised the data would surely favor vaccines that have been given for 21 years over those that have been recently introduced because such vaccines will have been given much more and so will have produced many more symptoms. In other words, this graph should be de-emphasized or should de-emphasize. This graph should de-emphasize the H1N1 flu vaccine, which has existed for just one year. We should see related few H1N1 related miscarriage events compared with the seasonal flu vaccine, which has been administered to many more patients. However, the VAERS data proved him wrong. Dr. Rubin acknowledges that the results are shocking. First of all, the N1N1 flu vaccine has appeared in miscarriage events more often than almost any other vaccine. And then he states this, quote, but the graph has more shocking results for us. The H1N1 flu vaccine appears in many of the abortion stillbirth cases, but not the most. The winner? appearing in uh, 297 of the VAERS records associated with miscarriage is Gardasil. The vaccine code is HPV4. Once again, this vaccine is a newcomer having only existed for four years. His advice, and that's, uh, I, that's uh, a close quote, and his advice to pregnant women is to quote, Read the product manufacturer's insert for the vaccine they are considering and speak with one or more trusted health care professionals before making a decision about vaccination during pregnancy. Close quote. So we're telling you, don't take our word for it, but ask some very important questions if you are being, uh, you know, importuned to take a shot. Because hmm. um, the shot you may take might be your last. Now, he says this. Uh, now, according to recent released studies, 
uh, pardon me, I, I rephrase that, according to a recently received, uh, released study, new adjuvanted, uh, adjuvanted vaccines in pregnancy, what is known about their safety, quote, owing to the fact that pregnant women are usually excluded from the majority of clinical trials on vaccines, there little is known about the side effects of adjuvants during pregnancy. There are only a few published studies of the safety of adjuvanted vaccines during pregnancy. These studies, however, concentrated on the extreme effects of adjuvanted vaccines for pregnancy, that is, the teratogenic effects. Teratogenic or teratogenous means birth defects and deformities or worse, you know, how about stillbirths? No attention has been paid to more subtle effects, such as effects on placental development or fetal weight or the effects of the vaccine or its adjuvant on the maternal immune system. During normal pregnancy, the maternal immune system adapts to accommodate semi-allogenetic fetus and interference with this immune system may interfere with normal pregnancy. An organization called SANE, capital V-A-X, or SANEVAX, is outraged that a vaccine that is a, quote, relative newcomer, unquote, has the highest incident of induced abortions and stillbirth, rate, stillbirth rates rather than any other vaccine on the market. There is no doubt the vaccine safety and efficacy has not been thoroughly investigated. Repeat, there is no doubt the vaccine safety and e efficacy or so-called effectiveness has not been thoroughly investigated. Has not been thoroughly investigated. And they tell us that these are thoroughly tested and they are safe and effective. And independent investigation on the safety and effectiveness of the HPV vaccines, Gardasil and Cervarix, must be conducted before there are more injuries and deaths. There is currently no vaccine specifically approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for use during pregnancy in the United States. It, United States, we're in dire straits indeed. The United <laughs> States, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. It is obvious that the pharmaceutical marketing campaign promises of one less girl at a risk for cervical cancer and armed for life has turned into a global travesty as each day one more girl suffers an adverse reactions or and or death or the death uh, miscarriage stillbirth of her baby after taking Gardasil or Cervarex. So you should visit this site. Uh, it's SaneVax, all one word, S-A-N-E-V-A-X dot O-R-G to follow up on this. And I'll put all those uh, those links in. There it uh, is, hot whatnot, off the press. Right into the show yeah. notes of the show. So yeah. you'll be able to click on those and get right over to the information that Croft has been talking about today. And uh, so I guess that pretty much wraps it up for this show. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, health regulations and uh, how, how they're needed because a good example is the 35% beef in the beef of Taco Bell and the other 65% is God knows what. And so we do need regulations, but we want the right regulations. We don't want uh, to be regulated to death. And uh, that's uh, about the long and the short of it. Homeopathy, Croft, you were you were singing in Russian yesterday. Oh, no, I was singing French. Oh, uh, with a Russian accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the uh, the the uh, first, uh, rather, I'm sure, sorry, the second act of Deflator Mouse, when there's this huge party going on at Prince Orlovsky's uh, uh, mansion. Mm -hmm. And it's, I guess it's maybe a New Year's Eve party, I don't know, but uh, in comes Prince Orlovsky welcoming his guests, and he says, well, from time to time he entertains. He is the perfect host, but uh, that's one thing he wants to be sure of is that his guests enjoy things the most. I haven't got the translation quite right, but he does say, the Russians have a custom, chacun a son goût. 
Yes, we Russians have a custom, chacun a son goût, which means each to his own. And mm -hmm. that's all I can say. It's up to you folks. Uh, you make your choices and suffer the consequences. You better find out before you take action. Yes, and uh, to each his own. If you like homeopathy, go for it. Uh, I don't have any kind of an issue with homeopathy, not unlike uh, Marketplace, CBC's program. And uh, and then we went into the vaccine issue again. We've had a couple shows. If you're interested, go back to episode nine where we had uh, Doctor uh, Shaw come on. Yeah, uh, he's uh, not a medical doctor, but I have one less comment I'd sure. like to make. I have lost faith in uh, these uh, so-called news programs, The Current, and I have lost faith in marketplace as far as uh, sound investigative journalism is concerned. Uh, both these programs have gone way down in my estimation as reliable sources of information when it comes to issues of health and nutrition and alternative uh, health and medicine. And, uh, and of course, I kind of got tripped on to Anna Maria Tremonti of The Current a few years back when the big issue of uh, Middle East oil and uh, Union Oil of California in uh, Afghanistan, and of course Iran. And she was asking this person that she was interviewing, whose name I forget, she wanted to know what UNICAL stood for. Well, I've known what UNICAL had stood for for many years, Union Oil of California. She didn't even know that. All right, so um, I guess with that- I mean, she will... had to ask, but she could have said, let us know that she knew, but I'm not so sure that she did know. She was uh, just playing dumb, perhaps? I guess so, but I still don't trust her. Okay, so we will see you again. Wherever you are, just take care. All right, and that's a wrap. <laughs> wrap me on the knuckles. Okay, that was another episode of Health Empowerment News, and we will be back again next week. Thank you.